Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, it's Suze McLeod here with the Village Church Q&A podcast. Today, we're revisiting some wedding talk. And Michael, I would love if you could address the question, should Christians attend the wedding of two cultural Christians? I bet there's someone like who read that and was like, hmm. Yeah. What's a cultural Christian? That's what I was thinking first. And, I'd love to know. Yeah. Yeah. Am I one? Okay. So cultural Christian, obviously, if you're reading it, I don't think for most people it's going to land as a good thing. So let's start off the bat. A cultural Christian is is probably not a great term to be called. The implication of a cultural Christian is this. If they have actually truly trusted in Jesus— they're not following him. They're following culture. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the idea. Okay. A lot of times when we call somebody a cultural Christian, which, gosh, we don't have like secret conversations. No, like, oh, we they're don't. A cultural no. Christian. But like it is a term that is used. Um, the implication is that they probably have never really trusted in Jesus, actually. Now, let's talk about that because that's super important. So the Bible talks about when uh, there's a point in time where mm-hmm. you are the different words are born again or saved or yep. forgiven or mm-hmm. redeemed or whatever else. But it is it is this transactional point in time when you go from being not a Christian mm-hmm. to a Christian, to not being a son or daughter of God through faith in Christ, to being a son or daughter of God. When you go from not having the Holy Spirit given to you to having the Holy Spirit given to you. When okay. you go from being unforgiven of your sins to mm-hmm. 100% forgiven. Mm-hmm. When you go from having no assurance of heaven to total assurance of heaven. Now, when you become a Christian, you don't always understand all that, oh, for sure. right? Yeah. But all that is there. There is like this moment where you are saved by God, by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Paul says you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom yeah. of light. So like that is very important. Now, a lot of Christians have a hard time like identifying that point. So for example, I was four years old when I really heard the gospel and my response to the gospel was, do you believe in Jesus? And I was like, well, of course I always have. I mean, I'm four years old. Yeah. Did I, did I become a Christian at that point? I I literally don't even know. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not always like super worried when somebody doesn't have like a moment in time. Uh Some people freak out about that. I don't think that's helpful, but there is always a, an historical moment in every true Christian's life where they were transferred. Well, because there has to be, because we're born dead in our sin. You're born dead and then you have to become alive through faith in Christ. So at some point you became alive, even if you don't remember it or know. Which for me, it was crazy because like my own personal story tells me that a four-year-old can understand enough of the gospel to believe Mm -hmm. and be given the Holy Spirit, which again, I think is, is, um, why I don't have a lot of judgment for people who can't place themselves. Yes. But I say that because there are, Jesus talks about a crew of people who on the outside mentally adhere to Christian doctrine. Yes. But on the inside don't actually have true conversion. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they don't persevere. Inevitably over mm-hmm. time, they don't bear spiritual fruit because they don't have the spirit. They can bear earthly fruit, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, like let's say you have a pastor and he's not a Christian, but he's faking it. He can move you through re- rhetoric yeah. and good oratory skills. He could learn the Bible. Totally. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he will necessarily bear spiritual fruit. Mm-hmm. When Jesus talks about these cultural Christians, He's talking about people who, yeah, never had the moment, but they had the external signs, which is really important because there's a lot of people who, quote unquote, grow up Christian, 
You know? Yes, I hear that a lot. I went to Methodist Church, I went to Catholic Church. They actually, if you were to say to them, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day? They would say yes. Depending on their faith tradition, many of them would say salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. Like They got it all, but they don't love it. Mm. They think about it when they go to church out of obligation. They don't have like an impulse to connect with God. Ooh. They have an impulse to be saved by God in hard times, yes, but not maybe an impulse for so relationship. Does else. You know, everybody yeah. does. The non-Christian yeah. does. The Christian does. Everybody that's does. That's the foxhole concept, right? right? Save me, Lord. There seems to be like when they look at other Christians, uh-huh. there's kind of like this. What? Yeah, they're confused. So I want to be clear. Just because you're a cultural Christian, you might actually be saved and never discipled. Mm. You might never have had the spirit of God, like the fan of that flame, like somebody like lighting it for you. You know what I mean? You might have just never had anybody tell you the, tell you what to follow Christ really means. You might have never had that muscle grown. Right. So if someone's listening to this and is, is fearful right now that they're just a cultural Christian, what would you tell them? I would say take that fear mm-hmm. and bring it to God and mm-hmm. tell him, I don't know if I've ever really trusted in you because I've never, I've never quite loved you a lot. I like you. I love you. I love the idea of you. I think you're great. I love heaven or the concept of heaven, but like this relationship thing, like I don't, and I would just go to him and say, would you save me and give me your spirit? I love you. Forgive me your sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for for my sins. Yeah. Now, would you just save me and then go tell a pastor or a friend that you know loves Jesus yeah. and tell them what you, the decision you made. And now you yeah. need to begin to fan the flame of, yeah. of what God has put inside of you. Yeah. The spirit is able to be quenched. Mm-hmm. And that that's a real thing. Yeah. Sometimes people, when they trust in Christ, they never have the spirit kind of just inflamed in them and they have mm-hmm. nowhere to go and they have nothing to grow and nobody pouring into them and yeah. nobody's ever taught them the word of God. They don't even know what could be. And, right. and then they come to church and they see these Christians and they're like, why are you so passionate about singing? Right. Maybe they've never sung before. Maybe they don't understand worship. If you put me into a context that I'm not used to and said, sing and worship God in this musical style that I don't understand, it would be hard for me. I don't mm-hmm. know that I would feel the feels or be as excited, you know, and and maybe they're just in context that that are just so foreign to that. I have so much grace for these people. Yeah, I, think I just that's so... I don't want to be the one to heap condemnation on them. Yeah. What I want to do is say, if you're at all concerned, that's you. My guess is you just need to go back to the Lord and yes. ask him to help you. Yeah. If you're at all concerned, like I'm, this is what my mom told me as a kid. I remember asking her. I love your mom. Um, she's she's great. Mom how do I, like, I'm afraid I'm not saved. Yeah. Michael, if you're even concerned, you're fine. Mm. People who aren't saved don't even have the concern that it like haunts them. For me, it would like haunt me. And she's like, honestly, you're way too concerned to not be saved. Yeah. You know? Just go pray about it. But right. yeah. And then I would be like, oh, that was like so relieving. And then my daughter actually came to me mm. last week and said the same thing. Mm. And I just said, Belle, people who are concerned aren't showing the level of concern that you are. Right. So if you have that concern, I would say, do something with it. Don't just yes. stuff it. Don't stuff Come it. Come to the yeah. Lord. Yeah. And maybe you never have trusted in Christ. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's let's come before him and trust him for the first time. His promises that he'll give you the Holy Spirit. He will help you. Yeah. Et cetera. Now we're talking about weddings. Do I attend their wedding? I know. Yeah, I know that right? was that's my favorite bunny trail so far, though. You just gave the gospel. Oh, so so do I attend their wedding? I have two friends. They're cultural Christians. I've seen them as that. They're kind of stagnant in their faith. My answer is going to be yes, because as we've said in the last couple episodes on marriage, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let's get down to the minimal requirements of marriage. And I'm supporting a man and a woman who want to commit to to each other Mm -hmm. for life and marriage. Yep. 
whether or not they take their relationship with God seriously or not, mm-hmm. it doesn't change the fact that they are doing a really amazing thing. Yeah. They're following a good God impulse and yep. they are joining in in a God-ordained thing for life and it produces human flourishing when they mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I'll give you a parallel question, right? Um, would I applaud two cultural Christians telling the truth? Well, of course. Of course. Because they're doing a good thing. Right. Marriage is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be too solid, awesome Christians to get married. Marriage is for Do I celebrate my unsaved friends having babies or my cultural Christian friends having children? Always. Yeah. That's where we take marriage out. We just say marriage is a gift to all of humanity Mm -hmm. for human flourishing. And then God has taken and put inside of every one of us an impulse towards a monogamous lifelong commitment. Now, can we quench that impulse? For sure. Yeah. Can we do weird things with it? For sure. Does past pain make us want nothing to do with that impulse? For sure. Mm. But at its core, God has put it inside of all of humanity. And mm. it is a good impulse. It's a life-giving impulse. And when you give me a man and a woman who want to commit to each other in a monogamous relationship for life, I'm yeah. all in. I want to. I want to champion that. You just make me think about how good God is and all the things that He gives to everybody. Yeah, it's beautiful. The you said something about creation. I'm thinking about flowers. Right. The weather. Spring is coming in Chicagoland, oh, and wait. the sun is out. And every day the sun is out. I can't oh, wait. Praise the Lord. The sun. S U N. Right. Anyway, thank you, Michael, for sharing that. I appreciate it. it was. Super clear. So our next question has nothing to do with marriage. We're going to go to a new topic this time. Next time, we're going to address the question, how does Jesus' name actually have power? 